0: This is the Skate Podcast on WEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and Bobby Orr! 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 For the first time in 39 years, the
1: Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
0: Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah. A little bit on the hot seat Burn and weei.com bruins writer scott mclaughlin oh, hey, lace him up for some bees talk right now I'm a dog. it's the skate pod on weei welcome into episode 105 of the skate podcast i'm brian defelice joined by bridget pro scott is still away for uh, at least a few more days so we're gonna continue on without him um, Bridget, how have you been? I know there's some um, some media availabilities last week with the Bruins, Don Sweeney, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, Pavel Zaka that you wanted to get into, but where'd you want to start with?
1: Well, I think now that. I had a chance to talk to Bergeron, Krejci, and Zaka when they first had their press conferences about signing. And after getting through all of those and hearing how excited all those guys are to play together and start the season, I'm kind of just like ready for hockey. I'm not ready for cold weather, but I'm ready for hockey season. Um, Usually that happens sometime in August where I'm like, all right, it's been too long. But Mm -hmm. luckily we don't have that much longer to wait. But also because of all those press conferences happening when Scott's away, uh, I've been covering him in writing, and writing. I have been annoying the shit out of Scott. <laughs> He's over in England. I don't. I hope he doesn't have or Scotland now. I hope he doesn't have like charges, extra charges when he gets texts from the U.S. Because I just been texting him like. <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna post this story. I'm gonna do. A, he's like so. I feel like he blocked my number. He's like so over me texting him while he's on vacation.
0: <laughs> it's just he's getting questioned. Do you want to accept this text from the US? He just he says yeah, <laughs> No. It's just a text from Bridget saying hi.
1: No, it's like every day too. I was like, I need to post the story, but I don't have the sign yeah. in and blah blah blah. And he's gonna be like, this bitch just needs to stop texting me. I'm on <laughs> vacation, so sorry yeah. scott i think he blocked me on all all everything until he comes back so that i can't text him. <laughs> uh, but anyway scott we miss you we'll see you next episode yeah yeah. But, yeah but yeah so i've been busy doing all that and that's why i wanted to have one more podcast before scott gets back just to kind of go over some of the stuff that stuck out about those press conferences first of all really nice to have gotten the news and just hear everyone's tone and how optimistic and and positive it is. Cause it it very much seems like from the top down, this team really thinks they have a chance to make it to the Stanley cup. Um, And, you know, every every team will say that, but you can just, you can always gauge the actual belief in it. And it seemed like um, every single one of them, including Pavel Zaka, who um, came to the team and hasn't been on a New Jersey devils team. That's, been a playoff team he's made they made it to the playoffs i think one time while he was there back when taylor hall was also there and um so he doesn't have much playoff experience and he hasn't get got to um you know just have any sort of playoff run and he seems to be pretty excited too so it was interesting to talk to him uh because it was my first time talking to him seems like pretty nice kid and really looking forward to a fresh start here in boston whereas in New Jersey, he had spent a couple of seasons and according to you know him being the number six overall pick back when he was drafted, kind of underperforming for a top 10 pick. So now that he has a change of scenery and also not to be like overlooked, New Jersey, the roster he's been playing with wasn't helping him out at all. And now that he'll get to come in, play with better players, theoretically, um, he will be able to probably showcase his skills a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I mean the last thing you just said is is everything right when you're talking about a younger player who, by, a lot of people's accounts, has has um, you know underperformed. You know when you look at who he was playing with in New Jersey offensively, you know Nico Heashey is a he's a solid player. Jack Hughes is a real promising young player. Um, you know, he played with Kyle Palmieri for a little bit there, um, Taylor Hall for a year. But, you know, they, they were, New Jersey had a bunch of good forwards n- not a lot of great forwards. I certainly think, you know, the sky's the limit for Jack Hughes. But he's, to this point, he's still been a young player. Um, but now, you know, now Zaka comes to Boston where you have established, you know, elite offensive players like like, um, like Paschenak and, and Marshand. Obviously, he was out for the first couple of months. Bergeron, Krejci, Hall, um, you know, there's just there's a ton of there's a ton of experience, ton of talent, ton of depth up front when this team's healthy. But even when they're not healthy to start the year, there's still enough depth there. Even on the back end, you know, you have like when you have somebody like Charlie McAvoy eventually again, the first few months he's not there. But McAvoy, Lindholm, those guys, they move the puck from the back end. Grizzly like they're great in transition. You know, it's just there's more depth and. In, 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 higher in talent throughout the Bruins lineup than than Zaka had in New Jersey. That should help him elevate his game to the next level as you kind of uh, alluded to. So I think that the sky's the limit for him or not the sky's the limit, but he, there's a big opportunity for him early he's on. He's a higher
1: ceiling yeah, than he's
0: the ceil- Yes, his his ceiling has risen. That's a better way to put it. And I think in the first few months um, he'll have more ice time, more time in the power play and a more prominent role with some key guys out there. So um. He'll, he'll be thrown into the fire pretty early on with the Bruins.
1: I'm actually really interested to see how he plays with the Bruins, especially because some of the few of the benefits to bringing him in one, he's versatile. He can play wing and he can play center. Um, and so he started out his career in New Jersey, the first few years as a center. But then he, when we talked to him, he said, he's become very comfortable playing wing because the last two seasons, a majority of his shifts came on the wing and at, As of the start of the season, they need someone to play on the first line, and he could potentially slot in with Marshawn out. Um, Whether they want to move DeBrusque to the left side or keep him on the right side, they could put Zaka on the left side if they want to. He could start out the season on the top line, um, even though he's not like a a top-line guy, so to speak. He could start out there, and that could kickstart his his offense because when you play alongside Patrice Bergeron, you're – um, he's going to have some better chances because Bergeron's such a good setup guy. Also, he was told by Mark grecki and I'm sure other people that uh, he needs to be more selfish, uh, shoot a little bit more because Pavel is kind of more of a two-way style player. He says he's very comfortable playing a defensive style game and that he actually models this game after Patrice Bergeron a little bit. So he's potentially going to be able to play alongside Patrice Bergeron on that first line. And, um, you know, just, Changes philosophy, his mentality a little bit to know. I mean, if you have Bergeron on your line, you know he's got your back a little bit more. Maybe you can be a little bit more selfish with the puck and shooting. And and so I think that sets up well. I'm One of those things that I'm going to be curious to watch over the first month is how they slot him in. I believe he can be a top six guy, at least with Marshawn out. And he's actually, so sorry if I'm going on too long, but he signed a one-year uh, one-year contract and people thought it might be longer. And and um, part of the explanation was that uh, Sweeney and Zaka both see a future where um, Pavel's here long-term, but this is the trial season. And Sweeney did say, I believe he could be a top six player in the future, like as part of our future plans. So kind of, thinking forward to that bridge, um, in between, you know, your teams that maybe won't make the playoffs until they get back. Um, once Bergeron and Krejci and whoever else is gone that next round, um, that next core Palazaka could be a part of as long as he performs well this season. And interestingly enough, uh, they, it seems like Sweeney is looking to extend him at some point during the season. So, um, expect news to come through at some point during the season, if he's playing well um, that they try to get this deal done before it becomes a free agent.
0: Yeah. And and it's a, it's an absolute, you know, show me year for him and he'll have the opportunity to to do so. And um, you know, as far as acquiring him, it's a, it's a, it's a low risk, high reward move. Uh, If it's if he doesn't work out, then he's not going to get paid for the Bruins term, and, and, and you won't have him just like you never had him before. Um, but if he does play well and he does earn himself a second contract, well, at the age of twenty five, about you know going to be twenty six, he's in that Jake DeBrusque draft class. You know that dreaded twenty fifteen draft class we always talk about. Man, if the Bruins going if they could have gotten like two out of three players, whatever. Well, well, they didn't. I mean, they landed on one out of three. I mean, Zaboril, I would say, you know. Is capable but he's just been so injured uh he's never really been able to stay in the lineup ever so i can't give him i can't give it to him but it's but what pavel zaka is is it's a it's a chance to kind of redeem yourself from that from that 2015 draft class if you can i mean because again it's a good on, way to put it they're only 25 years old right i mean that that draft class is still very much the future right for for whatever nhl teams that they're on um so of zaka who was drafted before Sweeney even got a chance to draft him or or uh, you know, he went six overall, like you said. So, um, reclamation project, uh, an opportunity to kind of, you know, fill a void with some size and youth at a position that you clearly don't have an abundance of um, beyond your uh, your key veterans. So, um, yeah, I, I just, and again, you traded him one for one for Eric Holla. Eric Holla was, he was never gonna be a long-term fixture in Boston, so. He was it, older much um, older yeah well i don't know, much older but at least five six years older probably i think he was i think i think Hall is probably 30 31 right so
1: yeah i'd have to double check but yeah this is you know they were the bruins were looking to add someone that could be part of the future yeah. um i know it doesn't seem like that when you just look at it as a one-year contract but um you know they they see him as someone that would and, and they specifically targeted him because they knew he would want to resign um, and that that's his goal at, at, you know, to have an extension come through at some point during the year. And it w- another funny thing talking to him was that he's never played in the NHL with another Czech player, but now the Bruins have so many Czech players on their roster. Um, he's looking forward to that. Cause you know, Krejci was someone he looked up to. Posternak is obviously one of the best players in the world. Um, Jakob Zaborl he used to play with when he was, um, you know, a kid. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of Czech guys on this roster that he can, you know, feel comfortable with. And you know, sometimes that's that's a a boost in confidence and familiarity. So uh it's I think he's looking forward to it. I think he's really excited. You can just hear it in his voice. He's very excited um for this opportunity and just to know like who his teammates are going to be.
0: Yep. And he also, and uh, you know, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but we've we've definitely talked about it on previous podcasts. He's He's lived in Boston in the offseason in, in recent years. He's trained around here, so in addition to having um, countrymen on his team, he also is familiar with the area. Um, you mentioned um, b- him being a, a potential move for the future, pl- you know, player for the future, and you also mentioned David Pashnak uh, as being a, a fellow uh, Czech native. So I think that's a pretty good opportunity to kind of switch gears into the David Pashnak um, ongoing you know, contract extension negotiations or lack thereof, uh, or progress made there. And, um, I'll throw it to you because, cause, uh, Don was talk, was asked about this. And so I'll, if there's a quote you have from him, uh, I'd love to hear it. And then we can kind of break down a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, um, this is probably the most interesting that's happened. Interesting thing that's happened in between when we last recorded and, uh, now i guess it's it's not really like huge news but just we haven't gotten an update on that um and it's something that's on the minds of most bruins fans so when he was asked and i will say the follow up question was probably the one that got you know the better answer and, and and answered um part of it which was are you trying to get this deal done before the season before And during the season, when one's the the timeline for this, Um, and he got to the timeline a little bit, but he said that because Postonok's been in Europe, they he's had regular conversations with Postonok's agents, but that um, progress can only be like only so much progress can be made. Um, while he's away and that as soon as he comes back to the States, which I have to imagine, just keep an eye on his Instagram story. I have to imagine it's coming at some point soon, but we've seen him bobbing around like Sweden and Italy and wherever. But um, if you see him come back, if you've seen his Instagram that he's back, uh, that's when we're going to try to, you know, if we talk to Don Sweeney hone in on really how well are these conversations going? Um, But yeah, so they, he was saying, Uh, they'll have a better idea of a timeline when he gets back, but that the communications have been very regular. So that these are frequent talks that they're having with Postanox agents um, to try to get the deal done. And then the follow-up question was that, uh, can you risk going into the season without him being signed, which obviously it would be ideal to get it done before the season starts. And he said, uh, Don Sweeney said it's part of the business. Uh, and he, he, he said, basically, uh, he wasn't worried if they entered the season without having a deal done. And I know that Brian, when you heard that you, you had some comments that you didn't necessarily agree with that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just, um, uh, it's, it's irresponsible. Um, you know, to think that if see it, because again, we have to reiterate here. Here's here's what happens if the Bruins enter the season without Pasternak being being uh, you know extended. The risk that Bridget mentioned that somebody asked Don Sweeney about was, what what are you risking? Well, you're risking him signing with another team as a free agent at the end of the following season. You're risking letting go one of the best players in the world especially at goal scoring for nothing because you can no longer trade him.
1: Let's be clear. Postonok has all the leverage in this situation. He has all of the leverage. He knows Don Sweeney needs to get this contract done. He knows Don Sweeney can't trade him at the trade deadline because they're in win now mode. Now that you have Bergeron and Krejci, you're not in a position where you're like, okay, let's blow it up now because this is, you know, the last dance, the last run you're at or you're not subtracting. So you're, if you lose him, you're gonna lose him for nothing. So that gives Pasanaach the leverage for sure. Um, and I wonder if Pasanaach tries to take it into the season and just cause a little bit more like panic uh in Bru- in the Bruins' management where maybe he gets a better deal. I-, I don't know he has he could create leverage for himself um potentially even more so if he does that. But we've heard I mean we know what happened with Tori Krug. When those negotiations went into the season, they didn't go very far, and Krug ends up walking at the end of that season um, when he became a free agent. So that's from learning from past mistakes. Hopefully, they can get this deal done before the season starts.
0: Yes, that that is exactly where my mind is, and you know I don't want to speak for you, Bridget, but I but I feel like I think I think you feel the same way. But in no world do I want. David Pashnak to not be a Boston Bruin. I want the Bruins to sign David Pashnak. I want them to, to sign him to a you know, to a fair market value. I want him here for the next 10 years. I don't want him to be traded. I don't want him to walk uh, in free agency next year. I want him on the Bruins. But if there's any indication that he might not re-sign with the Bruins when he's a free agent next year, next summer, You cannot let the asset go for nothing. Not that asset. He is far too valuable to the franchise, and what you would get back for him, you just. But don't you
1: think that puts Don Sweeney in a position where you can't let it walk for nothing? So you have to sign him.
0: Yes, exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. That's why they don't
1: have another option. They can't trade him. Right. They can't let him go to free agency. The only option is to sign him.
0: Yes, exactly, and that's why. That's why um, to to your point earlier about how I didn't like his comment or I didn't agree with it. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like the fact that somebody asked him, you know, are you are you willing to risk going into the year without having him signed, and he says yes. Well, then that means you're willing to sacrifice the the next ten years of having David Pasternak because you want to, you know, maybe have a chance to go all in this year, but and you might lose him for nothing. And the thing is, if Pat, if you're gonna trade pass snack, you'd rather do it before the season than in season because at least if you do it before the season you know what you're getting yourself into going into the year right if you do it in mid-season or at the trade deadline because you don't at that point you don't you don't want to risk losing it for nothing now you're now you're just like talk about you know putting a huge wrench into the team at least at least if you know what your team is going into the year that's one thing now that said i personally feel like he's going to be signed before the season starts i hope to god he is um or shortly into the season but you know my, the, the biggest thing for listeners to take away here is that you cannot let david Pashnak walk for nothing you cannot let it happen it's it would be so irresponsible because you would be damning your franchise for the next 10 years like it's just you can't have it you cannot have it and and yeah, like it, you said they're in win now mode so it would fuck up this season for sure um, and they're not
1: going to do that they're they're they're, they're stuck yeah. not that it's a bad situation to be in they i, I assume they want to all along poshtunak was part of this this future plan but it does kind of give them a little bit less wiggle room to negotiate money-wise um, because i i assume poshtunak side understands where they are and that They're 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 holding the cards, so to speak, right now. Yeah. The the answer that he gave about you know it's part of the business if we go into the season without him signing, uh you know it's it's just part of the business and and kind of shrugged it off. That was just a political answer and and you know having listened to it at the time, like you could just kind of tell he was saying it because like what else can he say? Mm -hmm. Um and he he reiterated that the conversations are ongoing and we've made our intentions known all along, meaning the intentions are to sign him. And he knows that. So kind of trying to maybe put the ball back in his court, like, Hey, he knows we want him. We just need him to come to an agreement. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I also don't think like, you know, it's not like Pashnak is going to be a, you know, $10 million a year player. Cause quite frankly, like as good as I think he is, like he's not that like there, there's a there's a there's a top top tier of NHL player that you know can indisputably claim that they are they are worth the, the top dollar, but you know Pashnak was on pace for like 50 plus goals when COVID struck back in um, you know late winter of 2020, um, so that that kind of effed with his potential highest scoring season and then. You know, uh, last year was, you know, he got off to a slower start for, for just reasons. But long story short, in the meantime, you know, Austin Matthews has put up 60-plus goals in a season. You know, Connor McDavid speaks for himself. Leon Dreisidel is, you know, he's he's climbed above Pashnak. They were kind of neck and neck as far as, like, the be- the best players in that draft class. But Leon Dreisaitl has established himself as he's, like, a top player in the world. Pashnek isn't far from those players, but if you're him you can't you can't go in demanding top dollar when you're coming from a culture where guys before you have kind of shown how it you know shown the way of being successful bergeron said in his press conference like that's the difference between having a good career and a great career is allowing room for everybody at the table to eat right so i don't i don't expect act to come in demanding 10 million a year i don't think that's going to happen um i think I do think that when he comes back to, to the States, they'll, they'll, they'll find something. But um, the only thing the Bruins can't do is let him go to play somewhere else next summer without anything to, you know, so that just can't happen.
1: And, and also Don Sweeney knows like how Boston media is. It's uh, it, if it goes into the season without getting done, it's going to be a weekly que- it's going to be as soon as anyone talks to him first question where are the contract negotiations with david Postenok? It and it has the ability to loom over the team until it gets done so um just get it done just get it done that's all i got to say on that.
0: <laughs> i think i think we all i think we all um i think we all agree with that uh, i think i wants i mean there could be somebody out there who doesn't like passionate, but I think everybody's on the same page. We want the Bruins to sign him and that they can't afford to lose him for nothing. So
1: not even just that. He's such a good player. He has like, he's one guy that has enough charisma for like a whole team. Like He's he's like, exactly. He's got such a personality that your, your fans are, they would come to watch him Even Mm -hmm. if the team sucks, like (laughs) there's a lot of positive
0: fans out there. When you have got like, it, you know, the NHL has been snake bit in the last 20 years because when the face of your league goes from Sidney Crosby to Connor McDavid to, you know, again, two of the best players to ever grace the ice in the National Hockey League, but not the most outgoing individuals. From, so from from a marketing standpoint, the face of the NHL for the last two decades just hasn't been that outgoing personality. I mean, Ovechkin definitely has that 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 factor that x factor austin matthews certainly um whether you lo- i know you don't like i austin find matthews, but
1: i find him to be not
0: likable yeah well so but he, but he's polarizing now right he either either love him or hate him but he definitely has like a Hey, uh,
1: if you're in toronto you love him but <laughs>
0: well not necessarily toronto has no true but my point is though like he whether it's the fashion or you know or you know being best buddies with Bieber, or Drake, whoever. Yeah, like, you mean you know, the lack
1: like, of lack of fashion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Call it what you will. But Pasternak has those intangibles that these guys that are that have been the faces of the league for so long don't really have. So I've always thought that No, uh,
1: Pasternak has the fashion I was talking about.
0: Um, yeah, pa- Matthews. yeah,
1: yeah the, the lack of fashion is that was directed towards austin matthews oh
0: no yeah i I know i got that (laughs) because
1: not posenak posenak is best dressed for sure
0: yeah no yeah no he is he is um so i've always said that you know the nhl would would be wise to to get behind a player like that and push him um you know marketing wise but uh yes we all hope that he's that he's here long term um was there anything creche or bergeron related to you wanted to touch on before we talk about uh, lysel
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Ber- not really Bergeron as much just because like what you see is what you get with Bergeron. Uh, he talked to the media for 25, 30 minutes and it was all, you know, to be expected. Um, and he, when I asked him, because I had a hunch that there was, you know, there were players that played a role in in him coming back, obviously. But he gave me more of a political answer that, you know, guys left me alone. They left me to make the decision on my own. But Krejci, on the other hand, when asked the same question, said that if Bergeron and Pasternak didn't like, didn't convince him, um, then he might not have come back. And that Bergeron and Pasternak played a huge role in him coming back, and that's not surprising. And you know, Pasternak was as soon as they started. Um, Uh, the world championships, he was all over it. He was like, he was definitely trying his hardest to get Krejci to come back. And that's where Krejci said he realized that, um, sorry, my voice. Um, That's what Krejci said he realized how much fun he would be missing out on if he didn't come back because he really wanted to play alongside Postanak. Most likely they're going to be playing on the same line um it just kind of reminded him what he was missing out on he and because I have PTSD from the last time Krejci left um to go play in the Czech Republic with my question I asked him um did you kind of get it out of your system uh playing in the Czech Republic you like he mentioned several times how great of an experience it was and that he doesn't regret it but I was like did you get it out of your system do you think you're going to retire as an NHL player, or would you at some point go back? And uh, he said, never say never. But the general tone of his answer was that he kind of got it out of his system, the playing in the Czech Republic. Um, So not that he probably has decided too far in the future, but I was just trying to see if he would say something, because I know a lot of Bruins fans that are crazy fans we're probably thinking, like, is this just going to happen to us again? We've been burned before. It's like getting back with an ex that's just like, oh, they're going to leave me again, you know?
0: Did uh, did you tell him that that he's been your favorite player for, like, 12, 15 years?
1: No, definitely not.
0: You, you, definitely you, not. No. Did we, <laughs>
1: he couldn't even hear my question at first.
0: Yeah. I, I don't was know. My your, computer mic is so time? bad. Was that your first time asking him a question?
1: No, no. I uh, talked to him. uh yeah not last season the season before
0: but so you, already, um, you, already got the you know technical
1: the technical difficulties were not helping me out and i was like i guess he couldn't hear me the first time they had to come back to me i asked him again he was like i hear you this time i was like okay great
0: <laughs> you're like perfect oh, i forgot what i was gonna ask uh,
1: it's like i was like perfect are you gonna leave us again
0: yeah <laughs> 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 um yeah no i'm uh yeah no he seemed he seemed happy to be back um he seemed like somebody who was, you know, f- happy that the Bruins stuck to their word that they're going to leave the door open for him because, um, quite frankly, it's, he's kind of lucky that, that that happened. Um, he's, he's fortunate that the Bruins are, you know, kind of desperate. desperate at center. Yeah. Um, you know, most franchises, if you know, would probably not rely on this, on him coming back and would have tried to look elsewhere. And look, yeah, mm-hmm. they signed Eric Hala and, um,
1: I feel yeah. like this just plays more into the metaphor of it being like a breakup where they're like they left the door open and they're like, I'll take you back. I'm desperate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like the the rom com airport scene.
1: I need you in my life.
0: yeah Yeah.
1: That's Don Sweeney.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I mean like it's gonna be it's the Bruins because they re-signed Creechie and Bergeron, they're they're in good position going forward. Uh to weather the early season storm. Um, that is the Marshandon injury and the McAwy injury. Obviously the the McAvoy injury and the Grizzly injury, you you only have you only dress so many defense for the night, so they're going to be challenged back there more so than up front. Without without, I mean, Marshan as good as he is, he, he's one guy, right? So I mean, you go through injuries throughout the course of a season. Guys miss five games, ten games. It's not it's not insurmountable. Not when you have when you do have the depth that the Bruins now have. That Krejci and Bergeron are indeed back, and you have added Zaka, um, and Pashnek is going to be good to go to start the year and and, and Hall and Charlie Coyle, who you've mentioned, is going to be in a great position to, su- to succeed this year, and Craig Smith is going to try to bounce back. And um, they have, they have, they have numbers up there to to weather that storm up front, no issue, in my opinion. Um, it's the yeah, they're end. in a
1: position to uh, just fight the storm, like mm-hmm. just just fight off those adversities early on. And they, as mentioned by every single one of the guys that talked this week. They're looking at the adversity as a way to kind of get closer as a team and prove to themselves that, you know, if we can get over not having Marshawn and and uh, Charlie McAvoy and, and Grizzlick, we can we can get through pretty much anything if we can learn how to win without some of our key guys. So they're kind of taking it as like a challenge uh in a positive way to be able to fight through the adversity and championship teams are teams that can fight through um, some of that throughout the season. So um, that'll be an interesting month. A lot of reporting because also we're looking at Krejci that first month. He says he's in the right condition to come back to the NHL, but that's obviously something we'll keep an eye on early on in the year. He takes a year off. The competition was not nearly as um, tight, and I really uh, his team that he played with was not very good. Um, If you don't make it past the first round, or I think it was they didn't make it past the first round of the playoffs and you have David Krejci on your team, like I can only imagine that that wasn't the most fun he's ever had playing hockey because theoretically, if you're in a a league where there's no other NHL guys and you got David Krejci, you should be making a deeper run into the playoffs. And uh, obviously he knows that the competition – is you know more equal to him coming back to the nhl um, which could be a challenge Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um but also it's going to be a lot more fun
0: yeah i mean i think i mean Krejci. crachy played for his hometown team last year and, and he voluntarily went to a team that finished last place last year so i mean him even bringing them to the playoffs was probably a miracle in and of itself if their roster was truly that bad before him um but you know the good news about the good news about the bruins Is that and you kind of said it they're looking at this like a challenge but it's not the coaching staff the players management like they're not this wasn't like ground groundbreaking news a couple weeks before training camp started like where it's catching them off guard like you know these these injuries these surgeries they you know they were announced you know a couple months ago like or whatever yeah I think it was a couple months ago now so they've been able to prepare for this um they're going to be able to prepare for this going forward. And um, so at, at least at least they, have, they, they know, like, all right, this is the obstacles we're dealing with, and they've known for a while, and they can prepare as such. Um, that preparation has already started with, you know, certain personnel moves this summer, and uh, it's going to continue. And right now it's August 15th, and I believe their first preseason game is September 16th, so a week from tomorrow um the Bruins are in preseason action and there's going to be some spots up for grabs and I know one of them um could be Fabian Lysel so I'll throw it to you because I know Don's was asked about him as well
1: yeah so I mean the good news for the Bruins is that they actually find themselves in a situation where they have depth but some of that you know some guys further down the depth chart are looking at it going this is not good news for me because I you know I'm trying to crack my way into this lineup. Um, you know, we're talking about the Stanikas, McLaughlins. Um, uh, I think Jack Ashawn will actually get a decent look uh, in the early part of the season um, uh, with Gryzlik out and him kind of playing a, a, a Gryzlik style. Um, but to talk about Lysel, first of all, um, you know, he's somebody that has a lot of interest and he hasn't, he actually did very well in the preseason last last year. And by all accounts had grown uh, his game in his time away from the Bruins um, in the OHL last year. And then, um, so basically where he's at is he's made improvements, but is he improved enough to jump on to an NHL roster? And so he was, so Don Sweeney was asked, is Lysel somebody that's ready? for the NHL in your eyes. And he said, well, there's a chance that he could make the team out of camp, but it would have to be kind of like a David Postonok situation where if you guys remember back when Postonok first came into the league, he pretty much shot his way right into the lineup because he was so like, basically he gave them no other option um, because he was clearly ready for the NHL. So there's the, there's a chance that Lysel in the preseason and in camp and it gives Don Sweeney enough of a sign that he's ready that they don't have another option besides to give him his first look in the NHL.
0: Yep. Have you had a chance to watch him at all during uh World Juniors?
1: I have a, a little bit, yeah. What do you think? Uh I I you know, I I think competition's a little different than than nhl level i mean these are these guys are younger these guys are a little smaller but no i haven't seen anything that would make me believe he's gonna you know struggle in preseason. what about you
0: well so i, I mean it's it seemed it looks like more of the same from him in the in the whl right i mean he looks like he looks like he's a step above everybody else as far as you know speed yeah. and skill now um I forget which game it was when he when he had that short side goal where he literally had to put it into like a you know inch by inch opening uh, that he tried to that's exactly what he tried to do I think it was against the Swiss maybe Um, it was you know a great goal his first game his first game uh, was a little sluggish I think he had like one secondary assist but um, against the against the Americans which is obviously the biggest test the the Swedish uh, had to had to face um, again you saw you saw at times even against the U S Um, you give him time and space, and and he just kind of takes over in the offensive zone. Didn't really lead to much offensively uh, production-wise, but, you know, you you can just see all all the skills there, all the talent is there. Um, You put him, you know, on the one hand, you can say it's not NHL talent he's playing against, and that's certainly not the case. But when you do play against NHL talent, you're playing with other NHL talent that'll help enhance you as well. And people, you know, they can finish plays better around you and get you into better positions as well. So it kind of goes both ways in that sense. Um, Yeah. I think, and if if you
1: can, if you can look like you're a step ahead of guys that are considered to be future NHL talent, then you're already, you know, make making a case for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think, look, I think if the Bruins were perfectly healthy to start the year, I don't, I'm not so sure he would be, uh, making the team out of camp, I think he would be a quarter, mid-season type acquisition.
1: I got the feeling that it's like a 10% chance that he makes it out of camp, and it would be if he, you know, just lit the world on fire. And by the way, he could start making his case during the World Juniors. You know, there could be something that that they see that, you know, contributes to, you know, hey, maybe actually I just had this idea to put him alongside – whoever and you know what I mean and that he could fit in this way um, and that will just keep going as we approach the season. But it kind of felt to me like more likely like say 90% chance that um, they're not going to rush him. Uh, that's something Don Sweeney said. So uh, 90% chance that he starts out in Providence um, and then we'll have the opportunity to fight his way into the lineup um, after getting a little bit of experience in the AHL.
0: Yeah, I, that I, that's what I think is going to happen. I think he'll start in Providence. Um, you know, does, but like Don Sweeney said in this presser, he said, you know, on the one hand, he said we're not going to rush him. Um, but he also said, you know, he said we're not trying to um, not allow the best players to make the team out of camp, which, you know, is kind of interesting considering the fact that Stanica last year was one of the better players in camp and didn't make it. So you have to take sometimes what they say with a grain of salt, because like you said, there's a lot of political answers going on um, when they're in front of the media. But yeah, I mean look, if like who knows? I mean, they they still have to they still have to try to at some point shed some salary too. Um so like he can, you know, if Craig Smith, for example, doesn't have a great preseason, doesn't have a great start to the season or whatever, or somebody like that. Tom, If somebody just shows that, you know what, maybe we're better off without them and maybe try to move them and maybe a spot opens up like that way for L- for Lysel too because the Bruins are going to enter the year with, they're going to have to put somebody or some people on long-term IR. Um, that, that Don Sweeney did speak to. Um, they're perfectly fine doing that. Uh, he also said that they they're ready for a bunch of different situations when it comes to the cap. Right. So um, I, I, yeah, think- I mean,
1: that long-term IR thing you can use to your advantage as we've seen. So, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, obviously using it at the end of the season yeah. to make Stanley cup runs. And, you know, they're not in a position to do that because none of these guys are going to be out until the end of the season. Cause these are injuries that are coming into the season, but, you can use it to your advantage if you are able to you know put guys on long term IR um put them put them on for a month and it gives you just a little bit more time to get a look at guys and see uh if things are working and things are not working with certain players
0: yeah exactly it's it's uh and you know that's why don gets paid the big bucks right find a way to adapt on the fly figure out you know the best way to go about this um again they're not they're not it's not that bad. They're only two million over the cap. It's not like they're nineteen, right? So um, they'll find a way. When it come I guess my closing thought on Lysel would be, if he if he goes into camp and he's just you know far and away the best player, I think the Bruins will make room for him, even if it's a, on a fourth line to start or whatever. Um, if he has a great camp, but they decide to send him to Providence, I I think he'll find a way up at some point anyway. Whether whether it's through injury or like I said, maybe they do you know find a way to move a guy like a trade a Nosek or trade a smith or some i don't know who knows we'll figure it out but uh um he'll be a player to watch for sure uh, you know mark mclaughlin is another one I, look I, I think i gotta tell you so you 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 lose curtis lazar and now your fourth line you have thomas nosek you know i don't know what to make of nick Felino. um but like I think, they and could, they
1: and they also lost. Not that Anton Bleed was like a, a huge part of yeah. that fourth line, but he could come in and you know. Well, he should. He, he could give you what you needed on that line. He's also he should, uh, he, moved on. He
0: should have. He should have played more when he was here. He brought. He brought. Yeah. He brought more to that line than than, than you know Felino brought on most nights, or you know, I like Lazar. Lazar brought it. Right. He he did his job. I thought Nosek was a lot better in Vegas than he was in Boston. Um. To this point, so I thought Bleed had an opportunity, and whatever. But he's gone, so I think the Bruins have some young legs internally that should be able to push and be upgrades over a Nosek, over a Foligno. Mark McLaughlin's one of them. Oscar Steen's another one. What's going to happen with Johnny Beecher? He's somebody I'm really excited to see in training camp. Can he grab a spot? Like, like, look, I understand Thomas Nosek is a he, you know he's a reliable veteran that they brought in. He is not going to be the reason you lose or win in the postseason this year he's just not like he's a very replaceable guy he's an okay fourth line center like if you have if 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 johnny beach or mark mclaughlin if they can tell even if it takes them like 10 to 15 games 20 games 30 games to get real comfortable who gives who cares if they're ready to go by the spring if they're a better option for you in the spring a better line for you just focus on that allow these players to develop at the highest level It's something that the Bruins just have refused to do with a lot of bottom six players. It's just like, it's one thing to give them a couple games when people get injured. When somebody gets called up because somebody gets hurt, how comfortable do you think that they are in their first few games? Like, they know they're they're on a trial. They know it's not a long-term thing. Give these guys a 20, 30-game chance to show you what they can do. Let them get comfortable at the highest level. Let them develop at the highest level. Eventually Providence wears thin. Eventually Providence is no longer benefiting certain players. If you have if you have some if you have some guys that are like in their late twenties, early thirties and the NHL is just not for them, but you still want some good character guys down in Providence or down in the minors, like that's for them. You need some dark aces to keep their legs going throughout the year, that's what that's for. If you have promising players, they shouldn't be in Providence for more than two or three seasons tops. Otherwise you should find a way to move on for them or get something for them. So I think if you can find a way to insert Steen, Beecher, McLaughlin. Um, obviously, Lysell is not a fourth line projected player, but it, whatever it takes, uh, instead of Nosek and Felino, think that's what they should be doing, and that's why I just want I want training camp to mean something this year uh, in that respect. I, I I just don't want I don't like how the well, Bruins are always like for oh, those
1: guys. It will for those guys. They, it they, they They understand.
0: It should, Bridget. But how often do the Bruins go into training camp and? Like you have two or three guys actually win spots to start the year on the fourth line.
1: Well, Brandon Carlo did it back when he no, entered though. the league.
0: Offensively. Oh, offensively, oh, like, like on the well, fourth like... line, they always buy. They buy veterans. Like you need that. You need that. First of all, you need younger players in the system to see that you can be rewarded for having a strong camp. Far too often, like those younger players, like their their spots are already paid for in the offseason by by bringing in a, a nosec or a Felino. So you're sitting, it's like, well, so I want to see that. I want to see them reward the younger players uh, in those positions because fourth-line left wing is not going to make or break your team. You can afford to break people in in, in those positions. It's not like you're telling Oscar Steen to be a top-line winger for you. Like, go on the fourth line. Do your role. Johnny Beecher, we don't want you to be Patrice Bergeron's replacement. We want you to be the fourth-line center. Show us what you can do. I want to see that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I know this is another Comparison to a defenseman, but do you remember how much leeway they gave Jeremy Lozon? Like, yep. give a little bit of extra leeway to some of these younger guys. Like, you, you gave Lozon a lot of chances. Um, and Scott, you know, was always coming in with, well, the analytics show, you know, Lozon's actually not playing that bad. But on some games, it was very glaring that he wasn't um, making NHL level decisions with the puck and, and different things like that, but he was allowed to grow through it uh, and didn't, you know, end up being taken out of the lineup and switched for someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe try that with, and I actually don't know whether or not this is going to happen, but maybe Jacksonika give him a little bit of extra leash this year. Um, I know me and you talked about this on another it wasn't a podcast, whatever it was, with hockey DB. Uh, we talked a little bit about Jacksonika. And I really I wonder if like almost the ship has sailed a little bit. Um yeah. I, I, I just I wonder because you you see like he was the top of the line of the depth chart, like that was ready to take over. And then now there's more competition for that spot, um, for his, for his spot in the roster. And there's not much room as it is. This roster is pretty much filled out with guys that, you know, you're not going to be throwing back and forth to Providence.
0: And I, I have that same feeling too, that the ship may have sailed on him, but you know, if the, if the ship has sailed on a player, it better be because that player lost the opportunity himself or because Players in similar positions as him at similar age grabbed the bull by the horns and he didn't. So, like, if Jack Stanika gets left out of the shuffle because Johnny Beecher and Mark McLaughlin show that they're better at that at that role and or they deserved it more, that's fine. If you're telling me the ship has sailed not you specifically, but if, if the ship has sailed on Jack Stanika because you're paying nick felino three million or whatever the hell it is and you're paying thomas nosek if you're telling me the ship has sailed on a 25 or 24 year old center that has never gotten a real chance extended chance to show you what he can do and it's effed with his head 100 percent because you are paying for two veterans that are combined like 64 years old um <laughs> then, there, then there's an issue and that's the wrong reason for the ship to be sailing on an individual
1: Yeah, and and unfortunately for him, he's not a natural fit and hasn't been a natural fit in a lot of the positions that have opened up. So he's, you know, he's a skill player. He's not your typical fourth liner. Uh, He's not your grinder. He's not, you know, a a bigger, tougher guy. He's, I mean, and as hard as you can try to, you know, build more muscle and and find a way to fill that role, um, it's not what he had been doing for, you know, his entire career up to that point. And I, I gotta imagine it's not the role he wants to play either, and you know can't doesn't want to go off his game too much because he was projected to be this top six player with speed, and if he had been able to crack the lineup, but we're talking about a Bruins team that those spots did not open up, so. I mean really, I guess maybe if they had moved on from Jake Debresque, like you could maybe see a little opening for him, but they didn't um debresque remains here and for another team, he could he could have at some point in the past maybe um grabbed a spot uh, on a team that's not as full as the the roster isn't as full as the Bruins has been
0: mm-hmm. yep and and look it's you know to be fair to the Bruins. When he has played for the for the big club, and as I mentioned earlier, it's not it's not always the easiest thing. You're, you're getting called up here, you're getting called up there, but Sanica hasn't. He's never he's never jumped off the page in, in a, <laughs> ever really to to really force Bruce Cassidy at the time or Don Sweeney to to keep him there. He like look if the Bruins. Here's the thing, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself from earlier, but like. If if Jack Sunika went out there and got a hatchet one game or two goals and an assist and helped the Bruins win a game, he would have made their 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 decision a lot harder. He's never really done much with his limited opportunities, and I I do feel like last year at a training camp he should have gotten a twenty game trial. But and I I do think it was disheartening for the player to go down to Providence. That said, I'm not sitting here saying Jack Seneca has to you know break out this year for the Bruins because quite frankly. They have gotten some younger players now to accompany him that I would – if they I, – I wouldn't – like, it's – last year it felt like there wasn't anybody younger to come up. It was like – it was Sanika, yeah. that was it. Now you do have mm-hmm. – they did well They did sign McLaughlin midseason. Uh, Johnny Beecher's no longer in college. Um, you have Lysel. You have Oscar Steen. Who
1: Lauko I, Steen.
0: La, Lauko. But La, now, is another one who we haven't even talked about because um, – was it Mark Diver that came on with us last year and said that Lauko just has, like, actually um, kind of, like, a somewhat uh, regressed um, or just hasn't really gotten better. So he's another one to watch. Uh, he has a ton of skill, but he he's constantly on a, you know, he's constantly falling down and getting getting hurt. But him, too. Yeah, he's another option. Yeah.
1: And I, I said, you know, maybe this ship has sailed, sailed on Jacksonica, but we're, that's just short-term, right? So I, I see that maybe they're trying to hold out hope for him until next season, because we're going to be talking about potentially losing two centers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be potentially talking about filling Bergeron and Krejci's slots. Um, not, you know, you're going to need centers. You're going to need to find an internal solution for some of it at least. And so, I think he's still part of the future plan, but he's probably not too much involved in the plan for this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hear, hear that point. Uh, and it's really tough to argue that the only thing I would say is like, what kind of plan is that? It's like, you that's don't. that's a you hope
1: don't, that things work themselves <laughs> out plan, but,
0: but you don't really, you don't really go from, so at that point, Bridget, what would it be like 25 you don't go from being 25 in the minors to being a top two center on on, a, on an NHL team. It just, or even a top. I mean, is that that's that's asking a lot at that point? Because at that point, he should have already had a couple of years of NHL experience to at least mm. feel ready for that opportunity. You can't go from Providence for the fifth year in a row to being like, all right, Jack. Now they're gone. <laughs> it's like, well, thanks for. I just me this think whole that time. that
1: was their original plan, and it hasn't. It hasn't played out how they expected it to, but that they're still like kind of hoping there's some way it does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think between, I think between Stanika, like you know, so you have you'll have Stanika, you'll have the Merkelov kid. Eventually, Um, they drafted a couple of they drafted three centers this past draft. Um, Because I
1: heard you complaining, why? Well, you you draft any centers?
0: Not me. I think anybody with a half a brain would have said the Bruins <laughs> need to be draft centers last. I think years. they
1: specifically heard you. Oh Ryan. yeah. Well, no.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. Um, and then you know, ne- ne- as 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 you and I currently speak, like they have a first rounder coming up in next year's draft. In a, in a in a by all accounts a much deeper NHL draft. So between last year's draft class, this upcoming season's draft class, next summer, uh, Merkelov, who they signed out of Ohio State, Studnika. Um, they'll at least, they'll at least have, I would imagine, you know, three or four to five centers that they can at least, um, try out at the NHL level, uh, for a season or two in what might be a couple of down years, for the Bruins, or for all we know, they might go out and if, if, if they know Bergeron and, and Krejci are both done, then at that point, do they hit the open market? Um, and try to you know, bring in a free agent or make a big hockey trade. I don't know. I mean, there's so much unknown. But there'll be opportunity for some of these younger centers that they just drafted. I presume they'll draft next year. Merkeloff Soneka, they'll have their chances at some point. Um, I can't promise that when they get those chances, the Bruins will be uh, a playoff team. But so is, as Don Sweeney said, that's the, that's the business, right? So it's what it is. I, I, at, at some point in time, Believe me, I cheer for the Bruins. So I, I I hope that they can that there will never have to be a couple of down years when it comes to the centerized position. However, um Judgment Day has to be coming at some point for them at center when run and Creechy go. It just has to. But maybe there's a rabbit out of a hat that could be pulled at some point.
1: Well, they took a flyer on Pavel Zaka, who can play center. True. So yep. that's their kind of backup plan you know like they're they know that they can at least have him available uh if they need him if they extend him obviously yeah uh as someone who can play centers so and he's somebody who has had several years of nhl experience so he's not as risky as a, a solution as like a stanika or one of the younger guys who hasn't had that kind of experience
0: yeah i know that, that that's a good point and i i do think like I do think Johnny Beecher. I, I again, it's tough to say because we haven't seen him play at all uh, at the pro level, really. But I do think he. I do think you have at the very at the very least a fourth line center in him. Um, I think he could be a third line center. Who knows? He could be a second line center. But like, I do think you have a center in him, a, a, an NHL center in him for years to come. I do, so in your bottom six, at least. Um, You have Zaka. If they re-sign him, you'll probably have Coil still a little bit. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, before we get too far into the unknown future, I guess we'll just keep it in the here and now. And um, like we said, the Bruins, as we currently speak, they do have good depth up front. They do have elite skill up front. They have depth in the back end and elite skill in the back end. The only thing is, they're not going to have a lot of that to start the fir- the first month or two. So we'll see if they can weather the storm. We got training camp in a month, like I said earlier. Um, so when the when this Bruins team is healthy, I think that that they have a a real chance to to compete with some of the best in the league. Um, it's about getting healthy, staying healthy, playing their best hockey at the right time next next spring. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on?
1: No, I think we got we got to most of it. That. that was that was my few takeaways from all of the press conferences we had this week, uh, or I guess now at this point last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we don't know what the news cycle is gonna be like. Uh, at some point we'll hop on. If there is a deal that gets done with Posternock, that'll be big news. Um, and we'll try to record right away after that. But, um, you know, it, we're kind of back to the, to the point where it's summer and uh, some weeks there's big news, some weeks there's not, yeah. so. Hope, hoping that the posanakk news comes soon as i'm sure many people are
0: yes yep no it, it, it is still summer um, but the some of the, somewhere some different parts the leaves are changing a little bit the the pumpkin coffees are being advertised on the on the at on dunkin donuts and starbucks all the stores
1: and, all and the we, stores got all the halloween decorations yeah. oh, out oh
0: cvs has has been all over the halloween stuff for about a, a month already um you know, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure what's gonna get here faster—the leaves changing or Scott back from Europe. But um... <laughs> <laughs> and
1: and you know, I'm drinking a pumpkin spice tea.
0: There you go. So that's
1: that's my like. I'm transitioning to fall a little bit,
0: a little bit, and that means that hockey season is is not far away. So, um, thank you for listening. Uh, like as Bridget said, anything anything major happens, we'll we'll be all over it. And uh, in the meantime. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with Scott um, to break down some more preseason talk. Sound good?
1: Sounds good. Uh, yeah, poor Scott. He's he's gonna hear it when he comes back.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But hopefully he's...
1: <laughs> he never. I, I mean, he never helped us with this podcast. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he I, Brian,
1: I've I literally I could not get in touch with him. I was like being like the crazy like. Ex or or like a girlfriend or whatever that was like texting. I texted him on like his phone. I I messaged him on Instagram. I'm like, please answer me, Scott. To be to be fair, Hopefully, go ahead.
0: No, I was just say to be fair, it, Scott, if you're listening, I would do the exact same thing if I were just
1: block Bridget on a few <laughs> things until we. I wouldn't we... do that.
0: I wouldn't do that, but I but I I'd be off the grid if I were where he is right oh, now. Oh,
1: he and he has been. He has been.
0: Yeah, can't
1: wait to hear the update on that
0: i know i miss scott i miss don't tell him <laughs> hey hey don't don't tell him i said this but he's a very talented writer and a great human being but don't I'll, ever tell him I i'll said never that. tell okay. i'll never tell all right good
1: i'll keep it a secret
0: all right um that'll do it for episode 105 106 next week with with scott myself and bridget um thanks for listening